You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you guys. I'm glad you're here. Uh, If you want to go ahead and flip to the book of Titus, that's where we're going to be camping out today. And we will actually be camping out here for a little while. Uh, my, my heart and my goal is that we would, we would walk through the book together. Um, and <clears throat> we're going to look at every verse in it. And uh, we'll, we'll do my, I'll do my very best for you to not get bored with this. But at the same time, I'm going to trust that God is going to work and His Holy Spirit is going to work in our hearts and our lives. And I'll leave the boredom part for you to deal with with Him as opposed to worrying about whether or not you're bored with me. So this morning's message is why we do what we do. Why do we do what we do? Have you ever stopped and pondered that? Yeah, why did I just say that? Are you kidding me? I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Why did I just spend that money that overdrew my account when I really didn't have it because I thought I needed that thing? The, there's a term, buyer's remorse. Uh, it's a sense of regret after having made a purchase. Uh, you know, and I thought this comic displays that perfectly. Uh, and, and the guy probably doesn't even have the money to buy it. He's probably going to get it with a credit card uh, or, or lady. I'm not sure which. But uh, that's beside the point. We just think that we have to have that. And, and maybe we've saved. Hopefully we've saved. And then we purchase it and we have that buyer's remorse. Uh, I think that we especially have the buyer's remorse when, when the payments start coming in, when we financed what we just bought. And yeah, there's some good techniques. Maybe there's some in that book. Um, that's being looked at there to purchase that could help us with that. But I, I think it's actually beneath the surface. I think there's a root issue uh, that is involved in this. And so why do we do what we do? Why do we choose to spend time with God on a regular basis in our own personal lives and study? Why do we not? Why do we choose to treat others around us with the love and respect and honor that God asks us to, as we've looked at over the past weeks in the Great Commandment, or why do we not? What about buying things? What about taking things that aren't ours? Our pursuit of status in the workplace, in the community, even the church. How, how, do, how do we see ourselves in the church? How do we want to be seen in the church? The words that come out of our mouths either a physical mouse or on a screen through social media? What about the things we turn to to escape? Alcohol, drugs, media, the list could span many pages. Why do we do what we do? So this morning, I hope that that we're able to answer that. My goal is to answer that through the book of Titus in the first four verses of it. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4, and one, one side note about this is I want to say encourage each one of us, myself included, 
even though I'm, I'm going to be teaching through most of it, but that we would each take time throughout the weeks between Sundays and read through the book at least a couple times. And you're like, oh, come on, you're giving us an assignment? Yes. And here's the great thing. I'm not starting with the book of Exodus or Isaiah and say, read the whole thing between weeks, right? I'm giving you one of the shortest books in the Bible. Three chapters literally will only take you seven to ten minutes to read it. I'm not asking you to just sacrifice chunks of your life to do this, okay? And I believe it will help you or I would not ask you to do this. So, if you would, join me in reading through it a couple of times a week between Sundays together. All right, so before we jump into these first four verses, four verses, I want to give us some context, give us an overview of the book itself. Um, we're going to go through a series of investigative questions, same questions that a detective might use and a journalist might use, whatever. And so these are, these are questions you can use. You don't have to rely on me to feed you this information. Do this for yourself. When you read the Word of God, ask these questions. There's fantastic resources online for free that you can use to check these things out for a book of the Bible to help you understand and bridge the gap between the ancient world and today and how what was said in the ancient world and time by God's word is still applicable and true for us today, even here, McDonald County, in 2018. So, those questions are who, what, where, when, and why. So, who? The book of Titus was written by the Apostle Paul. It makes it very clear at the beginning of that. There's no questions about that. It was written to Titus. Titus is another beloved spiritual son of Paul, kind of like Timothy is. Uh, Timothy was. This was also written to all believers that span the gaps of time between then to today and however many more years the Lord gives us here on earth. There's the who. What? It's a pastoral letter. Titus was a pastor of a church plant on the island of Crete. And this is a pastoral letter along with First and Second Timothy. So these are specifically going to deal with, these pastoral letters specifically deal with the church and the body of the church as a letter of encouragement to Titus. And in later verses, we'll find out as we move along through the book that uh, Crete was not exactly an ideal place to live. Uh, it was full of liars. It was full of rebels. It was full of gluttons. Uh, not too unlike our culture and society today. Hmm? Myself included sometimes. How about you? Where? Next question. Island of Crete. I mentioned that. Uh, today, the island of Crete is the largest and most populous island of the Greeks. The Greek islands, there's many islands that span in the Mediterranean Sea. This is the largest of them and the most populous. When? It's believed that this book was written between 62 and 64 AD. Okay, 62, 64 years after Christ was on earth. It is around the same time uh, it is believed that Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy. So he's thinking about one spiritual son, the book of 1 Timothy, writing that letter. He's thinking about the other spiritual son, Titus, and penning a letter to him as well. July of AD 64 is also when 
major persecution of the church in Rome began, and that was when the fire, if the history uh, bus in the room or school, that was when the major fires of Rome, and that was blamed on the Christians, and, and that's when they started rounding him up and, and burning him at the stake and all these things. So this is happening right along these times, Greece being not very far from Rome. Uh, this letter was ideal in timing, God's sovereignty. Why was it written? Major theme of this book is sound teaching or doctrine and Christian living. And then specifically in how that deals with the church. So, Titus chapter 1, first four verses. They'll be on the screen, but uh, if you've got your Bibles, follow along with me there. It says this, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. So these introductory verses can be very easy and tempting for us to just breeze over uh, and think, oh yeah, that's just Paul saying who he is, letters to Titus, move on. But this morning, I want to show you how even these introductory verses apply to us today, here. And, and just a, a quick side note, a TV timeout, if you will. Scripture is like this. It's, it's like a, maybe for the ones of us who are older in the room, Tootsie Roll Pops. You guys remember the commercial, the owl, one, two, three, you know, trying to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop. Maybe more modern day. Uh, they're stocking the shelves, right? Caitlin with the Cadbury cream eggs right now coming up for Easter. You got the stuff in the middle that you're wanting to get to. And not that the outside isn't delicious, but Scripture is the same. And so we can read these four verses, and the outside is like, yeah, that's fantastic. Paul, servant of God, apostle of Jesus Christ. And you can just kind of breeze through that and go, that's the outside surface stuff. But as we dig deeper, there's amazing truth inside as well. Okay, so I'm back. I'm back, sorry. Quick time out there. All right. And no, I haven't forgot about answering our question, why we do what we do. We're coming to that. So let's walk through these verses. Let's see how they apply. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of God. So, a servant of God. Some translations might say a bondservant or even a slave. And I'd like to just kind of highlight those two differences there. Um, this translation that I'm using, the CSB, says servant, but in the original language, it, it means more along the lines of a bondservant or a slave. And, and so the difference would be a servant would be hired, they'd be paid a wage, they could potentially quit their job and, and move on. A bondservant or a slave does not have that option. And a slave, I think, is too strong, and this is just my own personal opinion, uh, I think a slave in our context, in our culture, in our society, with, with the history of our country, I think a slave is too strong in that because people were taken and wrongfully put into slavery. And, and God's not taking us. This is, this is Paul saying, I am choosing to become a bondservant of God. I am choosing to surrender to him that my whole life will be about this. And I'm a lifer. I'm in. You know, sign me up. They used to do tattoos and piercings that's where they originated, in case you were wondering, for slavery. 
It was, I'm a slave, and you got tattooed, branded, or pierced. And Paul's saying, sign me up for God. And I don't know that he was tattooed or pierced or not, but in a sense, he's saying that I am forever being marked as God's bondservant. So he's willingly doing this. And he goes on and says, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's the term apostle here, and there's a technical definition to the word apostle, and then a general definition. And so we can kind of get caught up in wondering about, there's, there's people today that are calling themselves apostles and different things, and I believe the folks that are calling them that are referring to the general definition, which applies to all believers. They're sent, they're witnesses. Okay, the technical definition are those who lived, witnessed the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. So the technical definition of the word apostle, there's not anybody today that falls into that category. We fall into the general definition, a sent witness. So Paul is basically saying to sum up this verse, I'm a slave, a bondservant of God, and I am sent, or I'm a slave, bondservant of God, and his witness. That's, that's who he is. He's saying, this is who I am. Or maybe it'd be better said saying, whose he is. I am God's. I am Christ's. It would be like a, a mission statement. Uh, you know, mission statements are very popular and important. Um, you know, a lot of businesses, a lot of companies have them. Uh, we could probably throw out some company names, and you guys would know right off the bat, because it's on every one of their commercials, every one of their logos. Uh, for Paul, this is it. I'm a slave of God. I'm God's bond servant, and I'm a sent witness. And then he goes on and says, For the faith of God's elect, the salvation of believers. Okay, for the faith of God's elect. Are you seeing how we're unwrapping the outside of this, these verses, and we're suddenly going, okay, it's not just Paul saying who he is. There's a lot more meaning behind this. These, these are simple, few words saying much. And so for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, the truth being God's word, the truth being Jesus Christ. And then the more truly we learn about that truth, the more our faith will increase. I don't know about you, but I've never heard of somebody who's learned more about God while they're truly seeking Him with an open mind and humble heart and then chose